I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well from wherever you are, whatever reason you're watching. Glad that you are tuned into this video. Uh, hope that you uh, stay connected, subscribe to the channel, all that sort of stuff, and uh, that you too grow in your relationship with God. So we are in the second week of a four-week series called Finding Freedom, uh, talking about how when we understand what Christianity is really all about, that we find incredible freedom for our lives. And this series is a little bit different than other ones that we've done in the past in that each and every week builds on the week before it. So if you're, if you're here for the first time today, maybe you were out of town last week, you were sick, you didn't catch it online, whatever the reason is, um, I want to encourage you to watch last week's message. It's just a great topic, number one. But like I said, every single week builds on the others. This isn't just kind of like a grab bag. They all go in succession. They all kind of play together. And so it will just be good for you, good for all of us to follow along with each and every part of this uh, this series that we're in. So how many of you have ever been to the Wisconsin Dells? Okay, some of you. Um, my, my family and I went for the first time back in 2019. Um, we were celebrating both of my girls' birthday. They, they both have summer birthdays about a month apart from each other. And so we decided to do something special and go to the Wisconsin Dells, which is, uh, you know, not at the top of the list for adults, but for little kids, like, it was fun and it was cool. And we went to a park called Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus is a huge, huge water park, theme park. They've got water slides and roller coasters and go-karts and like all sorts of cool stuff. They got a wave pool there with like a 12-foot wave that will just murder you if you don't watch out for it. So like it was fun, it was cool, all this sort of stuff there. But beyond just the park, they actually have like accommodations as well. They have different hotels that you can stay in that are a part of their kind of package. And so my family and I, we got that package and we stayed in, in one of their hotels. And because we were there, not just as park guests, but also um, hotel guests, they gave us this little wristband. And this wristband had so much power in it. It was cool. Like this wristband gave us the power to like park in a separate parking lot from everybody else. Like closer to like the gate. We had our own special entrance where we didn't have to wait in like long lines as everybody else. Um, not only could we enjoy like the rest of the park like normal guests, but there was like a whole section of the park dedicated to just wristband wearers, you know, with like an arcade and food and their own lazy river. And we had our own wave pool and our own kind of slides. And like, it was just cool to basically walk around this huge water park and go anywhere we wanted, do whatever we wanted, take whatever rides or slides or anything. Like, there was, there was some freedom in this wristband that we had. It felt, felt a little bit like a VIP, you know? It was like the closest thing I've ever been to, like, special, I guess, in my life. A couple of years before that, my wife and I went on a vacation to Cancun, and we stayed at an all-inclusive resort. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to an all-inclusive resort or not in Cancun, but if you haven't, I'm not sure you've really lived, okay? Like, it is, it is one of the greatest things ever. And same sort of thing. When we checked into the hotel, they gave us a wristband that was, like, unlocking this secret power. Like, we could walk into any restaurant, any bar, and just be like... We're here for whatever we want, you know? It was like, like Power Rangers or something, you know? And 
Like, it didn't matter. We could be on the beach if you want a cheeseburger and a Coke. Like, you just call someone over, flash your wristband, and three minutes later, it is there. Like, it is, I knew what all-inclusive meant, like, logically, but I did not know what the experience was like. And so, if you are thinking about going on an all-inclusive vacation down to Cancun anytime soon, and you would like some one-on-one spiritual in-person advice, I am available, okay? As long as you pay for me to get down there, I will gladly, anytime you want, I, I'm there, okay? That's my gift to you. So um, maybe you've been backstage at a concert before and you got to talk to the band or hang out with people or see the show from a, a different angle as somebody else, or maybe, it, maybe at your job you've got like a special key or a special key card that gets you into like a secret wing or a secret room or like your own vending machine or like best of all, like a private bathroom that like nobody else uses, that would be amazing to have. We don't have one of those here, unfortunately, but uh, if we did, I can just imagine how cool that would be. And like, here's, here's the thing, at, at concerts or vacations or whatever, like this kind of do what you want, when you want, open all access pass is just cool, you know? Like it's this freeing feeling to have kind of nothing off limits. And here's the thing, when you and I really understand Christianity, the same sort of freedom is available to us. Now, not that Christianity gets us into an all-inclusive resort, okay? I wish it did. But it's even better than that, that when we, when we really understand what this whole Christianity thing is about, there is this same sort of sense of this open access, free kind of feeling that's available to us. But it all starts with Jesus. We talked about this last week. We're not going to go over all the details we did. Again, watch the message if you want to know more. But spiritually speaking, without Jesus, nothing else really matters. Because here's the thing. None of us can be right with God without Jesus. None of us can be good enough. None of us can try hard enough. None of us can give enough money. None of us can go to church enough. We are absolutely hopeless and helpless to be right with God, to be on his good side, to go to heaven when we die without Jesus. Now, if you're new here, if maybe you're not even a Christian watching online sort of thing, I understand that sounds a little maybe offensive and narrow-minded. I just want you to know it is. Like, it is very narrow-minded. On this one thing, Christianity has incredible precision. It is only through Jesus Christ that we are made right with God. None of us can meet the requirement of perfection that it takes to be right with God. And we read a lot of verses last week. We're not going to go over them all, but we actually didn't read one of the most famous ones in the entire Bible. It's found in John chapter 3. It says, this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That you and I, we have eternal life, or we are saved, we are made right with God by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. No matter who we are, no matter what our life looks like in the past, right now, in the future, we have complete and total rightness with God because of what Jesus has done. Not our efforts, not us trying, but by us putting our faith in Jesus. We believe that Jesus lived a perfect life when we couldn't, and there is a trade that happens that God views us 
with the perfection of Jesus when we put our trust in him. But, okay, Jesus did all that. Jesus makes us right with God. Here is a question that I think it either not many of us have ever stopped to ask or that not many of us stop to ask enough. And that question is this. Why? Why Jesus? Why would God send his one and only son to make us right with him? I mean, I, I know we tend to think of ourselves as pretty good, right? I know we tend to think that, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty special, we got it going or whatever, but like, try and picture from God's perspective. Creator of the universe, breather of stars, more, more massive and glorious and majestic than our minds can comprehend. Why in the world would God go through that effort? Why would God send his one and only son into the world to make us right with him? I mean, is he bored? Did, did he run out of shows to watch on HBO Max? Like, is, is there a shortage of angels coming off the supply line? Like, how, well, why would God go through this? I, I think sometimes it, it, maybe we, we answer that question with, well, God, God sent Jesus so that we could be his obedient servants. Is that why? Like, did, did God just need an army of, of obedient people on this earth to carry out his will? Is he not, is he not powerful enough on his own? Did God send Jesus to, to, to make us right with him so that now we could live good lives? I mean, before we know none of us were good enough, but maybe because of Jesus, maybe now we, we do have to live good lives. Okay, so Jesus shows us how, and so we're right with God so that we can live good. Is, is that the reason? Is the reason God sent Jesus because he needs more missionaries in this world or more people to give money or like because we all are bored on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever you're watching? Like, is that why, God? If you had to answer this question, why Jesus, why would God care about making us right with him? How would you answer it? I think this is such an important question to ask because I believe the answer to this question reveals the heart of God. The answer to this question, why Jesus, reveals to us God's most personal and intimate, passionate desire that Jesus was born and lived and died and rose again for one reason and one reason alone. The reason God sent Jesus to make us right with him is so that we could have a relationship with him. So that we could have a relationship with God and God could have a relationship with us. Not just in heaven someday, but right here, right now, in the midst of our lives, in the midst of whatever's going on, that we cannot just read about God, that we cannot just sing songs about God, but that you and I can actually experience and enjoy a relationship with the creator of the universe. And that the creator of the universe can enjoy a restored relationship with you and I. It is all about relationship. I mean, after all, this is God's heart from the very beginning. When God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden. And as you read in Genesis that he walked with them in the cool of the day, that there was this one-on-one -on -one connection, this daily relationship between them. God's heart has always been to have a relationship with people. 
Now, like we talked about last week, sin got in the way. You and I, we failed to be perfect like God and we broke that relationship, but God's heart has never once changed. God's desire for every single one of us is to be in a relationship. Whether we go to church or not, he wants to spend time with you. Whether we read the Bible or not, he wants to spend time with us. Whether you and I have dedicated our whole lives to learning about God and pursuing him and and trying to live a good example of what he's like, whether we've been that or we've been completely the opposite way, running as fast as we can the other way, God's heart has not changed for any one of us since the moment we were created. He desires more than anything else a relationship with every single human being. How does that sit with you? What comes to your mind when you think of that, that God, our Heavenly Father, wants to have a personal, relational, enjoyable connection with you? There's a quote from Henry Blackaby that we've read several times in services here, but I just love how he clarifies things. He writes this in one of his books. He says, God is not a concept or a doctrine. He's a person who seeks a close, one-on-one relationship with you and me. God doesn't want us to merely believe in him. It's more than that. He wants to relate to us on a personal level. He doesn't want to just hear us recite prayers and fold our hands and do the church sort of thing. He wants to converse with us. God's plan is not to abandon Christians once we're born again, just leaving us on our own to build the best life we can. He does not intend that we simply use our wits to get by or to bravely survive until we finally die, okay, until we're finally ushered into heaven. No, God wants to be actively involved in our lives each and every day. This is the purpose of Christianity. This is why, Jesus, that we can enjoy a relationship with him and that he can enjoy a restored relationship with us. And this is not just Henry Blackaby's idea, okay? Who cares what Henry Blackaby says? I don't know. I think the guy's dead, okay? So just like, but here's the thing. What he describes is what we see over and over again in in, in the pages of the Bible, especially the New Testament. So often, Jesus talks about this restored relationship with God. Paul mentions this so many times in his letters. In Ephesians, there are several examples. He says this, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, once you weren't right with him, before we put our trust, but now, now that you've been united, now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Paul starts off with salvation just like we did last week. Hey, listen, it's only Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It is by putting our trust in Jesus that we can be made right with God. But here's the why. Here's the purpose. So that we can be near to him. So that we can be near to God. So that we can enjoy his presence. So that he can become more than just this concept on a page. More than just this thing we hear about in a service. But actually real and active and present in our lives. Here's something that that might blow our minds, especially those of us that have been Christians for a while. Being right with God is not the goal. Being right is not the goal. It is not the finish line. It is not the ultimate, like, mountaintop of our faith. Being right is actually just step one. 
Being right is the beginning of the journey. Being right is the method to reach the goal. The goal is relationship. The goal is being near to God, being close to him, experiencing him in our lives. Just a few verses later, Paul keeps going on. He says, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Again, what's the purpose? Coming to the Father, being close to God, enjoying him, him enjoying a a connection with us. And, And here's the thing. When you and I start to understand this more and we start to understand the big picture of Christianity, there is such an incredible freedom that is available to us the more we get the purpose of why Jesus came. It's like we have like a VIP wristband on steroids that we can go to God anytime, any place, any way we want. We can be with him. We can enjoy him. We can talk to him. We can be open to like the most freeing and fulfilling open relationship possible. We can go to God and not cowering. We can go to God not fearfully. We can go to God not just when we get our lives cleaned up, but anytime Jesus gives us access to our Heavenly Father. It's like, imagine there's like a big black curtain right here, okay? Four of you got the joke. That's why you should come to service more often. You're in on the inside jokes, okay? I can't explain that one to you. You had to be here for a whole series, okay? But it's like Jesus opens this curtain. Jesus opens this door where we can, we can walk right in and experience everything God has to offer us. Paul goes on. The next chapter of Ephesians, he says this, because of Christ and our faith in him, our rightness with God that he provides us with, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. I just want us to think about something for a moment. Do you feel like in your life right now, do you feel like you can come boldly and confidently into the presence of God? Do you feel like if God were sitting here right on this chair that you could just walk up to him and just have a conversation? Or do you feel like there's something in between? Because the reality is Jesus gives us freedom to come boldly and confidently into his presence. And I don't know what your background is and your church experience and maybe what sort of religious ideas you grew up with, but I understand this sounds a little crazy, right? This sounds like, whoa, how could that possibly be? Like, I know me and like, I don't think I could be with God like that. No, we can. That's the freedom that we experience when we understand what Christianity is about. And it's not just in Ephesians that we read this. All throughout the New Testament, in Romans, Paul says this, listen, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, while we weren't right, he sent Jesus. Listen, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. We can be confident that we are right with him. And now, because of that, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I believe this is the the attitude, the perspective, the way that God wants us to approach him now that you and I have been made right with Jesus. For those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, God wants us to view a connection with him like this. Wonderful new relationship. 
But I'm going to guess what some of us are thinking right now. Maybe some of you online. Some of us might be thinking, um, so what? Right? Okay, yeah, Jesus makes us right with God so I can have a relationship with God. But like, so what about a relationship with God? Where, what freedom does that bring to my life? And I know maybe we wouldn't verbalize it that way. Maybe we wouldn't say it out loud. But, but come on, isn't that kind of true for some of us? So what if this relationship with God is open? My life's going pretty well, right? I mean, sure, we, we have hiccups and we've got some difficulties we face. But like, we manage to get through it, don't we? I know some of us have faced incredible, maybe it's more than just hiccups and difficulties, right? It's, it's trying, we're at our wits end, it's more than we can bear, but like, we're here, right? We can figure out a way to get through it. We can, we, we can, we can make more, I mean, we live in such a, relatively speaking, kind of easy life. Not that everything we go through is easy, but like, compared to the rest of the world, compared to certainly human history, you and I generally have it pretty good. And any time we start to feel a need or like this little ping on the inside that maybe we're missing something, man, we can make more money. We go buy a new car. We can get a bigger house. We can go on another vacation. If it's our spouse, we can trade them in and get a different one, right? Like there's, I mean, I wouldn't suggest that, but like that's certainly how sometimes we view things. We have other, for a lot of things that we face in this life, We've got alternatives, but not for everything. And I think this is where a relationship with God offers us a freedom in our lives that we cannot find anywhere else. What do you do with the fear in your life? We've all got it, okay? And not like fears of spiders or fears of snakes, although snakes is a more real fear than spiders. But um, <clears throat> I mean like... Fear of uh, your future, fear if you're going to have enough, fear where the country is going, fear of the economy, fear of if you're going to lose your job, fear of if a loved one is going to get sick, cancer, if you lose a loved one. Some of us, we live with a fear of being found out, been hiding a secret for a long time, and there's just this constant fear, what am I going to do if... If this comes out, how do you and I deal with that fear? I know what we try, because I try it too. We try to push it down. <laughs> try to ignore it. We try to just busy ourselves with other things. We try to kind of numb the pain with, with a, you know, a purchase or a substance or a relationship or whatever it might be. We just try to shove it down so deep that we don't have to deal with it. But come on, it's still there, isn't it? Every single one of us have a fear that we don't know what to do with. And it's there that I think we have this, this relationship with God offers us freedom from that fear. Now, not magic bullet, not like, oh, in an instant I said one prayer and then it's gone. But like over time, when we build a relationship with God, our fear starts to decrease. That we start to understand that God not, God not only loves us just because it's written on a page, but like we experience that in our lives. We start to get a, a, a better grasp on the fact that God really does have the whole world in his hands, even when it doesn't seem like it. 
our perspective is enlarged in a relationship with God where we see that this life is more than just the tunnel of right now, but there is an eternity to look forward to. And the more that our trust in God grows, the more that our relationship with God grows, just the natural result is that fear is lessened. Maybe not totally and completely. We're human beings. I know there's still things in my life, but I'm telling you, there. There is this freedom that we can experience. But how? This wonderful new relationship with God that Jesus makes possible. And I just want you to think for a moment. How free would your life be if you could be done with fear? Or not even done with it, just less of it. How much freer would you be mentally in your spirit to enjoy it? How much better would our lives be if we, could, if we could start to remove fear from our lives? If God could work in us in such a way, it comes through this wonderful new relationship that's possible. What about peace? Aren't, aren't every single one of us searching, whether you're a Christian or not, young, old, rich, we are all searching for peace. Or sometimes we call it different words. We're looking for joy. We're looking for contentment, satisfaction. Is that possible in this life? Is it possible for us to have peace, especially in a world where more and more of us are dealing with anxiety and depression and hopelessness? Is peace available? Is it an option when we're at our wit's end and we have been for six months? God promises us that it is. He promises us that he will give us a supernatural peace. But how? Through a wonderful new relationship with him. That when we feel those emotions come up, when things start to crowd in around us, when we feel depressed or hopeless or whatever it is, we can talk to God, we can, we can ask him to make a difference, and he shares with us himself. He doesn't just like give us a Christmas gift of peace. He shares with us himself, and the result of that relational connection with God is peace. A peace that is beyond understanding. That sound like freedom to you? It does to me. But it's not something that we, you know, buy off of QVC. Is that still a thing? I don't know if it's still a thing. It's not something you buy off Facebook Marketplace. Okay? It comes in this wonderful new relationship with God. Because Jesus has made us friends with God. Jesus has made us right with our Heavenly Father. I think every single human being, no matter how tough we want to seem on the outside, every one of us deal with insecurities about our own self-worth, about our value, about the, the need to be accepted, the need to be loved. Does my life matter? Do I have purpose? What's this all about? You, be honest with yourself. Yeah, of course we do. And so when we start to feel those things, just like we try to solve all our other problems, we look all these other ways for more money, new job, new house, new vacation, new whatever it is, go shopping, take this experience, whatever. And you know what? For a little while, those things work, don't they? For a little while, they kind of quiet that down and we feel good and we fool ourselves. But you know just as well as I know, it never lasts. 
It works for a short time, and then we find ourselves at the same point where we wonder, does my life count? Do I matter? Does anybody really love me? At the risk of sounding like a broken record, I'm going to say it anyway. There is a freedom that comes in a wonderful new relationship with God that Jesus makes possible. Psalm 139 is one of the more famous ones in the Bible, and, and in there the author is, is just writing about his, what he senses God's truth is in his relationship with him. And he writes things like, man, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and you formed all the delicate inner parts of my body. He says, God, you knew every day of my life before a single one of them was ever lived. Just these incredible revelations and understanding about the way God viewed him. And then, then he writes these words. He says, how precious are your thoughts about me, God. Not just about humanity in general. Not just about people because we're people, but like personally says, God, how precious are your thoughts about me. They are so many. They are so awesome. They cannot even be numbered. I have discovered in my life, through my relationship with God, I have discovered, this is true about me too, that when God views me, he sees me as, as his, his masterpiece. He has so many precious thoughts about me. Millions of other people around the world have discovered this is how God views them too. But what about you? I wish if, if there was a way that I could make this be real or your experience of this real in your life, I would. I wish I could so bad. But trying to understand this without a relationship with God is like me trying to tell you what it's like riding a motorcycle through Yellowstone. You know? I can tell you how far away it is and I can tell you what year Yellowstone was made a national park and all the, like I can tell you facts I can try and describe to you how breathtaking the Grand Tetons are as you head in through the south entrance. I can try and describe the waterfalls and the animals and the ponds and all those different things. But listen, if you've never been on a motorcycle through Yellowstone, you just don't have a concept. It's not until you lean in the corners and feel the wind through your hair that like, whoa, this is what it's really like. And it's the same thing here. What, what this psalm says is true for every one of us. But our experience of that, that becoming real, only happens as you and I develop this relationship with God. The reason Jesus came so that we could enjoy a connection to God, he could enjoy a restored connection with us. Imagine for a moment... <clears throat> Imagine someone bought you an all-expenses-paid, all-inclusive vacation to Cancun, but you never got on the plane. Imagine a couple weeks ago when the Mega Millions was a billion dollars or whatever. Imagine you won. You were watching the numbers and you checked your ticket and they're all the same, but then you just shoved it in your pocket and you never cashed it in. To me, that's kind of how I equate this when we put our trust in Jesus. It's like the same sort of thing. When we're made right with God, but then we don't give a second thought towards building a relationship with God. There's so much open and available and so freeing for our lives. But the ball's in our court. So let me ask you a question. 
just to ponder for yourself. Are you enjoying a relationship with God? However you define that, whatever that looks like, are you enjoying relationship with your heavenly Father? Are you doing the thing that Jesus gave his life to make possible? And I want to say this as, as carefully as I can, but, but like this, this just weighs on my mind. If not, why even be a Christian? I mean, honestly, I know there's heaven someday, and like with our rightness with God, our ability to go to heaven is not dependent on trusting Jesus and building a relationship with God. It's not. When we believe, we are made right. But here's the thing. To me, the best part about heaven someday is this uninterrupted physical relationship where the, the things of this world don't get in the way, but we are finally totally reconnected with God. If we don't want to enjoy him right now, why do we want to enjoy him for all eternity? Are you enjoying a relationship with God?